today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Some numbers that I want to lay out for you before we have our guest on. Canadians have racked up $13 million in coronavirus fines. Um, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association calls it, quote, an ugly ticketing pandemic. 10,000 tickets issued between April 1 and June 15th, and mostly, mostly. Now, this is where the cases have been. We know that. Quebec, Ontario, Nova Scotia. You'd be hard-pressed to get a social distancing ticket in, you know, Saskatchewan, okay, uh, or the Northwest Territories. Those those tickets probably weren't given out because the regulations have been different, and the concern and the level of uh, aggravation among authorities has been different. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Quebec has had 77% of all fines, and remember, Quebec had a very troublesome uh, record with the cases, the deaths, the LTCs, all that in April and the vast majority of May. So what's the story here? We have to we have to have some enforcement. Did we have too much? Abby Deshman's criminal justice program director for the Canadian Civil Liberties Union from the CCLA. She joins me now on 900 CHML. Abby, thanks for making the time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So, when you put these numbers together, uh, were you? What was the most surprising and/or concerning thing? Was it the, the the number of tickets? Was it the geographical proportion of those tickets? What were some of the red flags you saw, and you said that's that that's gone too far? Yeah, so it's both, and um, you know, I think uh, obviously there's a huge disparity between the, how the provinces have approached this, and it, it is related to where uh, there are. Um, significant concerns about the pandemic, for sure, right? Ontario and Quebec, uh, hard hit. But that's not the whole story, because BC, uh, the outset of this pandemic, had a really concerning curve, uh, yeah. really uh, deep concerns that they were going to be overwhelmed by their COVID cases. Uh, their government, though, didn't pass the same types of really far-reaching laws with fines attached. They sticked with uh, really strong public health recommendations, same recommendations that we've been receiving about social distancing, not having crowds, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But they were recommendations. They were followed by supports for communities, uh, a lot of education. Um, and they didn't involve their bylaw officers or their police officers in handing out really crushing fines uh, to secure compliance. Um, and they were very effective in flattening their curve um, and trying to get people to do their best to follow along with uh, what they needed to do to keep themselves in the community safe. Uh, mm-hmm. On the other hand, uh, Ontario, Quebec, Nova Scotia, all three of those places, we had politicians very early on in this pandemic, back in March, uh, saying, we're done with education. It's time for enforcement. You know, we still see people out on the streets. It's time to have uh, tickets handed out. And the, the types of uh, infractions that um, we are hearing about, and of course, this is a lot of tickets handed out, uh, 10,000 tickets, um, but many, many, many people have been in touch with us sharing stories that are deeply concerning. You know, I was standing at the edge of a soccer field alone with my dog. I uh, didn't realize it was a soccer field because it wasn't marked, and I got an $880 fine. What, what month? Um, when, when did that happen, Abby? Uh, that particular one, I'm not sure. Uh, the majority of people, again, March, uh, April. Yeah. That's really when we saw, uh, at least anecdotally, the heavy ticketing blitzes. Um, you know, in Quebec, uh, when we talk to organizations that work with indigenous populations uh, in Montreal, their clients, most of whom are living on the streets, uh, are receiving many tickets for physical distancing infractions. It just doesn't make sense to hand somebody who doesn't have a home to go to a $1,500 fine uh, for being in public space and being too close to others. They, well, they don't I, have any place to go. Yeah, I see two things here. One is the size of the fine, and, and no doubt that's been talked about. It It's going to strike some as 
as uh, as a cash grab from, from municipalities that are going to struggle and provinces that are going to struggle. And the other, Abby, is the struggle in fighting these particular tickets because courts have been closed. So they say you got 15 days to pay the ticket. And, and any of us that have ever got a driving offense, we we make a decision. You know, I want to get the fine reduced. I'm going to I'm going to take part of my day, go to court. Well, that that opportunity to to explain your case or try and plead the fine down just was not possible for people because courts were closed. Yeah, and that caused an enormous amount of confusion. We got a lot of questions from people because you're right, the information they were being given, just it didn't seem even possible to say, no, I, I wasn't doing anything wrong or, uh, you know, this just doesn't make sense. The, the fact is that they didn't have to contest their fine within 15 days. Uh, all the limitation periods were suspended in Ontario, certainly. And um, people have still, uh, if they want to contest those tickets, they're still able to do so. But that information wasn't given to people. It wasn't clear on websites. It certainly wasn't uh, told to people proactively um, by many bylaw enforcement officers. Uh, and it wasn't on the back of the ticket. So uh, there are people who've just paid these tickets because they mm-hmm. looked at the information they had at hand and they say, well, I have no choice. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, our courts have been closed down. We have an enormous backlog of trials. Uh, it normally is taking you know, months to years to get to a trial uh, in in Canada right now. Uh, we are now adding on, uh, we don't really know how many hundreds or thousands of trials for these tickets. Um, it just it does not make sense to uh, spend the time and money of our justice system, uh, which was overwhelmed before and now doubly so, uh, to be processing these types of crimes. Abby Deshman is our guest, Criminal Justice Program Director for the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. Uh, joining us, Greg Brady and for Bill Kelly, 900 CHML. So, yeah, the um, and, and the struggle for a lot of people is, let's face it, we all uh, have had, you know, some degree of getting crushed economically. Either we're talking about uh, a loss of hours, furloughed jobs, unemployed uh, students and, and without part-time jobs, without summer jobs. And they're getting massive, massive tickets. Uh, as a matter of fact, and I get it. A lot of and a lot of these stories really went viral, right? Kids playing basketball alone, getting seven hundred dollar tickets, and being on the news. So, you know, I, I I see the concern, and and yet at the same time, I think you'd concur there has to be some level of enforcement for this. But maybe it's the volume of the tickets and the cost of each ticket per se. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, you know, I think there are times when fines are appropriate. It's just where is that line? And I think clearly, uh, in a couple of the provinces, uh, you know, we threw our hands up after a week into this pandemic and said, well, obviously people aren't getting it. It's time for fines. And especially when you're dealing with such broad and vague and confusing laws that are changing daily, uh, it's just actually a counterproductive approach. Uh, it undermines people's trust in law enforcement uh, for the people that need the help the most, uh, the ones that are living on the streets. Uh, it pushes them away from the social services and the supports that they need in order to be able to actually comply with physical distancing and isolating um, themselves if they've tested positive. So uh, we really need to, if there is a second wave, uh, return to a public health approach and stick to the education, stick to the supports, you know, draw the circles in the park on the grass. It's going to let people know when there's just too many people in that park and they need to come back on another afternoon. Those are the kinds of simple measures that actually are very effective. And, you know, I think looking at BC, it shows that we do not have to crush people um, who are already facing such strain uh, individually in their families. Uh, we don't have to crush them with fines in order to um, try and keep 
So I, I want to ask about people who have felt targeted by this, but I want to follow up on, on you know, with the potential for courts to reopen in a distance fashion. How many people have you heard from? It's hard to know a percentage, but the numbers of people that are sitting on a ticket that want to fight this, that are waiting for the opportunity to say, uh, I'm not paying the $1,500, I'm not paying the $800, and here's why. Yeah, you know, of the people that got in touch with us, I'd say at least a third um, wow. are, are, you know, these, but these are people who took the time to write to the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, right? Um, yeah. I think uh, most people uh, don't do that after getting a ticket. Um, and probably if you're angry enough to write to us, um, you're probably also engaged enough to want to contest it. So uh, it's, it's, uh, definitely there's people out there uh how many of them i really don't know but it's not insignificant uh and as i said before um your report finds uh that the violation of public safety orders the the, the ratio doesn't work the math doesn't work there's a disproportionate impact on black people indigenous people um and 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 other racialized groups uh and it's timely to talk about but it it certainly needs to be addressed there are certainly people and some are right and some might not be but there are certainly people that have have felt targeted by this process no absolutely we heard that loud and clear from the people who got in touch with us and it you know it works in different ways it's not that uh, bylaw officers or police officers are out there looking for racialized people to stop But I'll give you one example of how this plays out. Uh, A local resident in Toronto walking through High Park, park near his house with his partner. He's black, uh, she's white. And bylaw officer stops them, doesn't stop the white couple passing by, stops this mixed-race couple because apparently he didn't think that they lived in the same household. The only difference is that this is a mixed-race couple. That incident actually ended up in the police being called uh, because this person didn't feel that there was any basis for the stop, and indeed there wasn't. Right? Similarly, uh, people with same-sex partners walking through public spaces and parks mm-hmm. uh, don't fit the stereotypical description of uh, what a family is and are disproportionately being singled out and stopped um, by law enforcement that are questioning whether they live together. Those kinds of impacts absolutely we think are happening. Um, and then the, the last example I'll give is, is people who inhabit public spaces, live on the streets, tend to disproportionately uh, be racialized. Uh, you know, the Indigenous communities yeah. are really struggling with uh, housing. Um, those are the people who are in public spaces, and public spaces it is, is what is being policed largely um, in the COVID context. So it would be no surprise uh, that those people are feeling the brunt of law enforcement increase. Abby, thanks very much for the time. I I urge people to read the report, and thanks very much for uh, bringing attention to it. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Got it. Abby Dashman, Criminal Justice Program Director for Canadian Civil Liberties Association. I see both sides of it. I I think we need enforcement. I think we need very strict laws on the... We needed them at the time on the distancing. We had to have enforcement, okay? But the question is, where's the line, and let's make sure we do it for everybody equally. And we know... Okay. It's it's patently obvious and observable to anyone that depending on where you live, it's easier to distance. Okay, we all went nuts on on you know Toronto younger people, and and again, not without reason, right? They all go to Trinity Bellwoods Park four or five Saturdays ago. Uh, there's no spacing out, as as the premier said. It looks like a rock concert there. It, it wasn't. Nobody good was playing. Just just really amateur acoustic guitar playing. Okay, I had roommates that were like that playing Steve Miller band songs and Black Crow songs till midnight when I had to get up the next morning for a lecture. I've never forgotten it, quite obviously.
But honestly, there has to be some level of ticketing. And people weren't just going to follow the rules without the fear of enforcement. Okay, I I see a quote yesterday, um, and Bruce Arthur from the Toronto Star has nailed this about the messaging of our chief medical officer of health in Ontario, Dr. David Williams. It's been a little messy at times, the messaging. It's been a little back and forth. And that's, again, we all were slow to a lot. Teresa Tam was slow to some things. Anthony Fauci slow to some things. You got brilliant people that didn't tell us what to do and when to do it soon enough. But this is from yesterday's quote. David Williams, Dr. David Williams, it's much better if the public agree and endorse that by wearing them voluntarily. I'm talking about masks. Let me start the quote over because I didn't clarify it was about masks. It's much better if the public agree and endorse that by wearing them voluntarily. You do it not because you are forced to, but because you want to do it. Hey, in a perfect world, that's great. That's wonderful. Um, But guess what? It doesn't work that way. So you need campaigns, right? Stop stunt driving. Okay? We've got so much stunt driving on our highways right now from younger people. You know who's not stunt driving? 48-year-olds, 62-year-olds. Okay, you know, They're not flouting the rules. But all of us, I- I've gotten a distracted driving ticket uh, by being on the phone. Now, that was like four, four and a half years ago. Haven't got one since. Been really careful about it. Nobody was in the car with me at the time, but there's no excuse. I needed that ticket to get me to stop. Okay? If you've ever, you know, had a close call with a DUI, okay? Let's not be Pollyanna about this and pretend that some of us haven't walked the line, walked that fine line when it comes to drunk driving. You better know that you're like, thank God I got away with that one, okay? I'm not endorsing it. I'm telling you what the reality is. And we better talk in realities, okay? And not this, you know, perfect sunshine, you know, Teletubbies world where everything is just wonderful and we're all... We're all doing the right things all the time. We know we don't. So Dr. Williams doesn't have that right. Okay? You want to do it. Great. Yeah. N- nobody nobody wants anybody stunt driving or driving recklessly or, you know, uh, selling, buying drugs. You can go anywhere you want for legal things. We know bad things are going to happen. Crimes are going to be committed. So you got to have enforcement and punishment. The question is with this, how much is too much? How, how high a fine is too high a fine? And... Who are you giving the tickets to? Is it disproportionate racially? Is it disproportionate by via income? Well, that's wrong. Of course it is. The Bill Kelly Show. Weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.